0: Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good, good. Man, you are a good-looking bunch of people out today. I don't know where the people from last week went, but man, you guys are great. This is good. Uh, Man, I'm excited to share with you what God has... uh, from his word this morning. Uh, We've been studying through the book of Hebrews. Last week we talked about how the word of God is living and active. It pierces and cuts into the deepest areas of our life. So um, this morning we're going to open that word of God again and allow it to pierce, allow it to expose. So this morning as we're looking through the book of Hebrews, I hope you didn't come to get entertained this morning. Okay? Because uh, it's probably not going to happen. The book of Hebrews is a difficult book. Uh, let's consider this more like a college class this morning. As we begin to study, you're going to have to focus, you're going to have to train your mind to really focus on the things of God's Word. And so this morning, that's kind of what we're looking at. Imagine with me for a moment that there was a, a man, say he was about 35 years old, and he was still in kindergarten. Okay, And every day he would go into kindergarten and the teacher would do the same thing. And he had been in kindergarten for 30 years now and he was really comfortable with being in kindergarten because he knew all of the letters and he knew all of the things that he was supposed to do. He loved nap time. He said, I'm never going to go to first grade because they don't have nap time in first grade. I'm never going to move up into the next grades. And he just stayed there because he was really comfortable and he knew all of the things and he was really good at it. So he stayed there. He was taller than all the kids. He was shaving, all of these kind of things, and these kids are just all lined up with him, and, and they're saying they're ABCs, and he knows them all, and he feels like, hey, I'm top of the class. You know, sometimes as Christians, we are a bunch of 30-year-old kindergartners. Ouch, I turned that one on you pretty good, huh? That's what actually the writer of Hebrews was saying to this church today. He's saying, you know what, you guys have, have the elementary truths, down pat, and you're really good at them, and you just want to stay there because you're really good at them. But this morning, as we look to God's Word, He says, let's go deeper today. Could I challenge every person in this room this morning, no matter where you're at with the Lord, that today you would leave this room with a concerted effort to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ after today? Could we all agree with that right off the start? Alright, let's open in prayer today and ask the Holy Spirit to open our lives and our hearts this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God, knowing, Lord Jesus, that, that we want our hearts to be exposed to you. And, and that sounds really scary sometimes, God, but Lord, we know that you do it not to harm us, but to grow us, but to help us. And this morning, God, we ask that as your word is open today, that, God, you would begin to open our hearts and open our lives and spur us on to spiritual growth. That, God, none of us would stay in the same place, stay at the same depth with you today, God. But each of us would grow in the depth of our hunger, our desire, our spiritual walk, and our passion. And that we would grow Uh, in the steps that you would call us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. How many got a physical Bible today? Hold that up for me to see. Great. Yeah. These are coming back in this church, these physical Bibles here. So uh, that's good. All right. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5 is where we're at today. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4, we're going to be reading through 6-3 this morning. So you know where the exit ramp is at the end of the service. Hebrews 5-4 uh, through 6-3. We've been going through the entire book of Hebrews, verse by verse, um, to grow spiritually, to bring, uh, try and fight against spiritual, or not spiritual, but biblical illiteracy in our personal lives. So that's why we do this every summer. We take a book of the Bible and walk through it verse by verse so we can't skip anything. This morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus as the high priest. Okay, already, we're putting our college hats on this morning. Jesus as high priest. Uh, No Jew would come to God without a mediator. We have to understand that as we're looking. This, this is written to Jewish Christians. No one would come to God without a mediator, without a priest, without the high priest. No one would come to God uh, because, and this was a difficult concept for the Christians to understand, how these new Christians to understand, that they could come directly to God. Remember we talked about coming to the throne of grace with boldness? We talked about that. That was a new concept for them. So as they were, they were coming, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus being the high priest because he was touched with our feelings of temptations and understands our weaknesses. Uh, because of that, we can come to the throne of grace with confidence and boldness. And so Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4, we'll have it up on the screen in the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your Bibles. It says, Hebrews 5, 4 And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work just as Aaron was. Now this, the high priest wasn't just a career move that you said, oh, I think I'm gonna be a high priest, or I think I'm gonna be a doctor, or I think I'm gonna be a lawyer. This was something that was handed down through the tribe of Levi in the Old Testament. Uh, But God had a calling upon certain individuals' lives uh, from that tribe, God placed those... uh, individuals that he basically placed this honor on certain individuals to be called by God. And in verse 2, it says, as we back up, if you look in your Bibles in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 2, it talks about the high priest being able to understand our weaknesses, as we talked about earlier. And Jesus, the great high priest here, can understand our weakness but he is called by God. Verses 5 and 6, it says, that is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become a high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, a lot of these people would not really understand, and these Jewish Christians would struggle with this, because they knew that high priests or people in the priestly order could only come out of the tribe of Levi. Now, does anyone know what tribe Jesus came from? David, David, uh, specifically? Judah, Judah. very good. Um, Judah, we see that he was from the tribe of Judah, and he uh, was not a Levite. So these guys kind of struggled with this. They said, how could Jesus be a high priest if he was not from the correct tribe? So in this, it explains that it's because Jesus was from a different order of priests. He was from the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek here, he, his, he is found in the Old Testament in two verses. That's it. Okay? If you don't know a lot about Melchizedek, join the club. All right? So in two verses, he, he is devoted, he's spoken about in like three chapters of the book of Hebrews. So we're going to learn more about Melchizedek. We're not going to tackle him today. He, he's actually throughout chapter 7, so we'll get to him. If we can just trust me on this, that we're going to get to him eventually, because uh, we don't have time this morning to cover all of this. But it says that Jesus was from a different order of priests, from the order of Melchizedek, and so we see that. And it says that he was a priest forever, forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's important. You see, Aaron was only a priest for as long as he lived, but Jesus, speaking of this order, that he was a priest forever, for all eternity. Uh, Jesus is the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7 and 8, it says this. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Now, this passage here is probably referencing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross, where he cries with great loud voice and groanings and tears, and Jesus submitted himself to the plan of God in the garden. His suffering, and through his suffering, he learned obedience. He said, God, not my will, but your will, despite what it's going to feel like in my physical flesh. Jesus said, if there's another way, God, that would be great, but I'm going to submit to your will. Obedience is learned by submitting to the Father, even when we don't want to. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is learned by submitting to the Father, even when we don't want to. Verses 9 and 10. It says, In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a priest in the order of of Melchizedek. Some translations say, once perfect, he became the source of salvation. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't perfect, okay? This word perfect in the Greek means to be completed, once the work on the cross was completed, Jesus became the source of eternal life. Many people will try and claim that there are other ways to get to heaven, that there are other people that you can get to heaven, other religions, all of these things. This verse combats against this. Hop back one, David, verse 9. It says that in this way, God qualified him the perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal life for all, all. Of those who obey him. So we see that he is the source of eternal life. It also goes on to say that here um, Melchizedek gets involved late in the verse, but we'll just skip over him again and we'll get to him in, in another week or two. Verse 11 and 12, this is where we get to the kindergartners. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 11, he says, There's so much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Now, let's stop for a second here. This isn't exactly encouragement, is it? I mean, this guy's like, well, I'd really like to teach you more, but you're really kind of spiritually dull, and you really don't have a clue. You're ignorant, really. Uh, So we see that he, he shoots right to the point here. Let's take verse 11 and verse 12. He says, especially since you're spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen... You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Wow. He's encouraging them. Now the writer shifts here to an area where he is explaining about becoming a mature Christian. And basically what he's saying to these individuals, he says, listen, you look like a 30-year-old kindergartner. That's kind of what what it looks like here. He's saying you have been a Christian for so long, but yet in some aspects you, you haven't grown. You've been in kindergarten for so many years, and yet you've only grasped the ABCs, one, two, threes, and you can spell your name most of the time. So the the writer here is saying, listen, that there is a depth of spiritual maturity that needs to begin to happen. Guys, spiritual maturity is not shown in years. A lot of times we look at our lives as uh, physical maturity is shown through longevity, a linear line. Spiritual maturity is shown through depth. It's through depth. You see, you can be a Christian for a short time period, but if you are deep with the things of God, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, if you understand through uh, uh, obedience and, and through God's word and you take it at face value, um, then you look at that. Uh, I, it's not about the linear time that you're a Christian necessarily, but it's the depth that you go. And so what, what this writer is saying, he says, you've been a Christian a long time, and most of us would say that would mean that you're supposed to be a deep Christian, but you have lived a shallow Christian life for a long time period. He says, I want you to go deep. Go deeper into the things of God. Go deeper. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Richard Foster said that. That was the second line of his book, Celebration of Discipline. Are we open to the Word of God and open to the voice of the Holy Spirit? These particular Christians or this group of Christians, they were giving off the perception that they were not listening and that they were spiritually dull. The NIV says they are no longer trying to listen. The message says you've picked up a bad habit of not listening. And you know what? As Christians, we can get caught up in that, can't we? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to our heart or we'll read something in God's Word and we'll look at it and we'll get in a bad habit of not listening. A bad habit of not listening. Or we just kind of go, oh God, come on. We've been over that. And, and when God opens the word of God to us, when he cuts deep to our heart, we get in a bad habit of not listening. Listen, if you get in a continual bad habit of not listening when you're reading the word of God, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, listen, that's a red flag that you're spiritually immature Okay? Listen, I'm not perfect. I'm spiritually immature sometimes. Okay? I'm not perfect. I don't want to be standing up here like you guys are going, oh Ambassador Sheldon's pretty hot up there throwing rocks when he lives in a glass house. Right? But all of us, it should be a red flag when we are able to take the voice of the Holy Spirit and continually dismiss it. Only We look at the Word of God and we open it and we can continually read something and dismiss it and continue to say, okay God, okay God. And God's saying, I'm calling you to deeper depth in your spiritual life. And we just get in a bad habit of not listening. Spiritual maturity is about obedience. About obedience to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And obedience is what brings spiritual depth in our spiritual lives. In fact, it goes on to say that, you know what, you have been in this Christianity thing so long that you should no longer just be hearers or learners, but you should be what? Teachers. You should be teaching others. You know another sign of spiritual maturity if we were to break these down into we could have broken these down into points of spiritual maturity one of them is you know what you're consistently listening to the voice of the holy spirit and you're not sweeping it away another one is the fact that you've come to a place where you have learned basic principles of god and you know them to the point where you can turn around and teach them to someone else That's a sign of spiritual maturity not that you can blow your own horn and say, hey, look, I'm spiritually mature. But it's the fact that it should be something that we should be striving towards. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone stands up in front of a, a, a large group of people like this, but it's the fact that can you convey spiritual truth to the person on your job site if they began to ask questions about Jesus? Could you teach them? Could you do that? Because these believers were not to that place. They were, they were stuck in certain areas and spinning their wheels The writer says, you've been hanging around, basically this is a paraphrase, you've been hanging around this Christianity thing long enough. Why can't you teach the simple truths? Why do you not have depth in your relationship with Jesus Christ? He's saying, when I I write to you, why do you choke on the meatier things that we talk about? You only want milkshakes. That's all you want. Let's just keep talking about the good stuff. Let's just keep eating dessert all the time. Let's never get to the, to the vegetables or the, the meat of God's word. Let's just skip over that part and let's get to the, the dessert part that we really like. The stuff that makes us feel good and doesn't challenge us or cut to our heart. Verse 13. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Now according to this scripture, a new believer that is on milk doesn't know how to do what is right. That if they're a new believer, it's a foreign concept. Our natural inclination towards sin and wrong, it's our fleshly nature. Paul says in in Romans chapter 12, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an ongoing action of transformation in your mind so that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. It's an ongoing action of spiritual growth in our lives. It's saying you're not supposed to stay a baby All your life, you're not supposed to be a 30 year old kindergartner. Okay, you're to continue on, but you know what? The Bible says that we're a new creation in Christ when we come to Jesus Christ. We're uh, we're born again. But I want you guys to understand something here for just a second. We need to be we need to be real cautious when Pharisees and people they they tend to try and. put high expectations on people immediately when they become a Christian. But this scripture here says be careful in doing that because no one in their right mind brings a baby home, sets it on the bed and goes... Well, we're so glad you're here, Bradley. We've been waiting for you for some time. You finally came out of your mom's tummy, and we're excited that you're a part of our family. I'll leave a fresh onesie and a diaper out for you in the morning. There's uh, bottles in the fridge, and you know what? I'll leave my cell phone for you, and you can call me if you need anything. I'll see you later. And then they leave and go to work. The first day they bring the baby home. You will go, that's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. So then why does the church do that sometimes? Ouch. Right? I mean, sometimes... But here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, it's the exact opposite of the illustration I just gave you. There's a 14-year-old on the bed. He's laying there, and every morning you're getting up, and you're going, okay, let's change your diaper, 14-year-old. All right, here's your onesie, 14-year-old. Here, I'll go get your milk and feed you and all this. And everybody's going, oh, that's disgusting. That's the picture that the writer of Hebrews is saying here. He's saying, you're sitting there on the bed going, feed me, feed me. And he's going, man, you're 14. This is getting awkward. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, why, why can't you grow up? Why can't you take the natural steps of growth in your spiritual life and continue to move forward in the things of God? Why can't you move on with these things? And, and so the, the, we see that, that these people were not infants. They were they were supposed to be growing into the things of the Lord. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you should be continually moving forward, continually spiritually maturing. You should be moving towards spiritual growth. And then verse 14 sheds even more light on this and how we do it. It says, verse 14, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Who through training can recognize through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So here's the depth of spiritual maturity here. How do we go deeper with God? Is it something that just naturally happens where you lay on the bed until you're a 14 year old with someone always changing you, always sticking a bottle in your mouth, all of this kind of stuff? No, it says that there's something that takes part on our end that we have to physically do in order to mature. So we see that the depth of maturity, it says through training. Through training. This Greek word is the Greek word gymnasmina." It's a long Greek word. But it's where we get our English word gymnasium. Okay, It means to train. To go into training. You don't just happen upon a gym if you're lazy and like lazy boys. You have to actively say, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go to the gymnasium. I'm going to work my body. I'm going to come into a training and and all of those kind of things. So we see that training here, it means, this, this Greek word means to train gymnasium. It means to discipline oneself so that you have the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. It's a proactive thing that you must do, that we must do as Christians in our personal lives. We are moving forward with the things of God. So spiritual maturity is shown by listening to the the voice of the Holy Spirit for correction by teaching or helping others grow. Uh, our, our section talks about who can firmly grasp the Word of God by differentiating between right and wrong. Do you know, in society right now, we have a terrible dilemma. We have no idea what's right and wrong. We're in, we're struggling. We're struggling as a country. We're struggling uh, in our judicial system. All of these kind of things where we're going to people to say what is right and determine what is right and what is wrong. They don't have a clue. Part of the problem is we don't have a clue. And what happens is The 30-year-old kindergartner is in class and he's going, I've never been able to figure out how to differentiate between right and wrong. And God is calling each of us to say, listen, the spiritual depth and maturity in our own lives should come to a place where we can differentiate when a situation comes up in our life that we have a relationship with God and a relationship with the Word of God that we can say, you know what? I can distinguish whether that's correct or whether that's wrong. Now I see, forgive me, but I see some older people in the congregation shaking their head like this. It's interesting that a generation ago, previous to me, they didn't struggle near as much with differentiating between right and wrong. But my generation is really struggling with that. And this generation, guys, our young people here, one of the greatest things that you guys will struggle with is as society continues to blend the line of right and wrong to stand for the truth of God's word, the spiritual maturity that's found in differentiating between what is right and what is wrong, and it's found right here. But spiritual maturity doesn't happen accidentally. It's not something that we just go, okay, over time, I'm just going to lay on the bed in my onesie and everything is going to be okay. But if this happens in our life, this spiritual growth, it says it's through training of ourselves, by personally growing in our relationship. And you know what, guys, I think there's a key principle here that's important to catch. We've talked over and over about the Jewish believers who this was written to And they were considering to abandoning their Christian faith and going back to the Old Testament and going back to the practices of the law. But my question is this. We have answered um, many questions about them, but the question that we haven't maybe answered is why were they tempted to go back To the Old Testament? Why were they tempted to go back? A lot of people would say, well, persecution and different things like that. Do you know what? The main reason why they were tempted to go back is because they refused to continue to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I know this for a fact. Because I've found over the course of my life, over the linear course of my life, the times that I have gotten stuck spiritually or I've spun my wheels or I haven't been moving forward with God and I have these little lapses and I go, you know what? I'm not really growing. I'm not really moving forward with God. That is when I'm tempted to go back. That's when the enemy tempts me and says, just go back to your old lifestyle. Pack all of this stuff in. Forget it. Don't worry about it. Just throw it all aside. Listen, I don't know how many people in this room, but I'm almost guessing that a huge portion of the people in this room at times have great doubts about your faith, and there are times when you're sitting there going, you know what, I'm really seriously contemplating packing this all in and going back. Do you know why that is? it's because we have found ourselves spiritually stagnated in the same place for a long time. And people reference them as desert periods. And when we get caught in those for a long period of time, we get to the place where we go, you know what, I'm thinking about going back. And that's very similar to what was happening with these Christians here. But when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, it's important to continue to move forward in your Christian faith or you will be tempted to go back. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. It says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. So stop just uh, only allowing yourself to stay in the shallow end of the pool. Let's head into the deep end. So the writer is kind of tough on these guys here. He says, don't be dull of hearing. Stop coasting. Don't remain an infant in your faith. Instead, become mature. Let's move forward to spiritual growth. Guys, it's, it is our desire as a church here at Wofford City Assembly of God to continually see people's lives going forward in spiritual growth. And so when we see that... Oh, do I need a different mic here again? <laughs> Whenever I get to the good parts, the microphone decides to have fireworks. Maybe it's to wake you guys up. I'm not sure, but that's good. All right. So, oh, it's our desire as a church to see people grow spiritually. In fact, if there are 300 people that come here on an average Sunday, our desire, our target goal is to see at least 50% of our Sunday morning attendance in some form of growth group throughout the week. During the school year, we really try and uh, focus on our our growth groups. And so our passion and our desire is to see people continually moving forward in their spiritual growth. Whether that's uh, Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights, Tuesday night, Oilfield Christian Fellowship, uh, MOPs as Mothers of Preschool, that goes on uh, during the school year on Tuesdays. We have multiple growth groups on Wednesday nights as well as Sunday mornings. And uh, this fall, uh, we we have a classroom that's been built, a whole row of classrooms. We have six classrooms. Our desire is to fill all six classrooms every Wednesday night uh, to see people continually to grow in their faith and continue to be spurred on in that way. But guys, it says that we need to become to a place of maturity. And you know what? That happens both it, it happens both um, personally at your dining room table or in your work truck uh, by reading God's word, by spending time with him. But it also happens in groups of people who are growing together and in family and in fellowship together as we continue to grow together. So we're, we're encouraging all of these things. Guys, it says that in this verse here, it says that we can't just go on. We can't just go on with the fundamental things, repeating uh, from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. We can't just continue going on and on. We can't just go over repenting from our evil deeds and placing our faith in God. How many of you have ever heard that message before at a church service? Repent from your evil deeds and let's go on with the things of God. How many have ever heard that message? All right not even a third. That was that was a strikeout big time. Have you ever heard that ver- that before? Yeah, we all that's the same that's the same record we play every Sunday, right? It's repent from your evil deeds and move on with God, uh, placing your faith in God. So that happens continuously. You know what? On Sunday mornings that is something that we do a lot. We focus on repentance and we focus on moving forward with God. That is something that we continually do because we want to reach people for Christ. We want to see people's lives touched and changed. But if you're going to continue to spiritually grow, you can't just rely on Sunday mornings. It just, it's not going to happen. You're just going to be in the revolving uh, Hebrew circle of turning from your evil deeds and placing your faith in God over and over and over again but you've got, you've got to continue to influx more in, in, into your spiritual life. So here's my question for you. God is calling us to growth and maturity. When was the last time that you learned something new from God's Word, and you began to practice it and apply it in your daily life? Think about that. When was the last time you learned something new from God's Word, and you began to apply it in your personal life? If you can't remember, it's probably time to stretch yourself again. To say, you know what, God, I'm going to open your word this afternoon and I'm going to read until you strike my heart and expose something. And at that point, I'm going to see transformation and change in my own personal life. And I'm going to take and apply that principle to my life. And I'm going to continue to move forward with you. And at that point, you go deeper in the depth of spiritual maturity. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 6 You don't need further instructions about baptisms, about laying on of hands, about the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He's saying that repentance and putting our faith in God is a good foundation. That's important. It's something that we need to talk about. But these Christians knew about the next step of depth here. First one was baptism. It was about publicly declaring that God is done in their life after repentance and faith. Now we see that, That baptism, unlike unlike today's society where we could just walk into any church anytime we want to, these Hebrew Christians who are under persecution, it wasn't that easy for someone to just walk into one of their services. Most of the time, people were saved just in the daily workings of their everyday life. And then from there, maybe their first introduction to a group of believers together may be their public baptism. Of them saying, today I declare that I am going to be one of these Christians, little Jesuses, that's what that term means. And so these people, they understood what baptism was. Uh, so these Jewish believers understood the importance of that, that step. Uh, laying on of hands was another one that it says. It says that this kind of like a, uh, the giving of a blessing, of a prayer, the installation of an office or ministry. Uh, Paul and Peter and John, all in the book of Acts, both in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19, they laid hands on people to receive uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. As a church we lay hands on people often you'll people you'll see people lay hands on people to pray for them uh, to bless people baby dedications we lay hands on the baby and and pray for them that God would bless them and fulfill the purpose and plan for their life uh, for people to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit we lay hands on people and and, and pray for them that way uh, if someone was going to be healed we pray for them that way when our graduates graduate and we're sending them out uh, for God's plan and purpose for their life we bring the board up the board lays hands on them and and praise for them. Uh, that's a part of our culture here at Watford City, Some we've got, and many other churches. But this was a foundational thing in the early church as well. Um, the resurrection of the dead. This was another one that was a foundational thing. Uh, may, the main doctrines, one of the main doctrines of Christianity is resurrection. Uh, The the dead in Christ will rise first. Romans 6, 5, it says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So they understood the resurrection of the dead. The next one, the eternal judgment. Both positive and negative judgment. They understood that at the end of time, he'll stand before Jesus Christ. He'll say either, uh, you know what, come with me, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. So there was a a judgment, and speaking of heaven and hell, in those things. So we see that these foundational truths here uh, of these early Christians. But the writer says, listen, you've got got the foundation. You begin to build a couple blocks here. And he states all of these things. But he says, you've got to go deeper. You've got to continue to grow in your spiritual life. You've got to continue to move forward. And the writer of Hebrews ties up this section with verse 3. And I want you to really focus on this. Guys, catch this verse today. It says it here in verse 3. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. You know, if that is the cry of your heart today. and, And so, God willing, we will move forward in further understanding. You know what, this morning, guys, as I began to to pray about how to tie up this section of Scripture and what would be our call to action and what we were supposed to do, I felt really directed by the Holy Spirit to do something that we've never done before, that in the recollection of my understanding ever since I've been at the church here, we've never done this before. But I felt like God was calling us to take a stand as Christians and say and make a declaration this morning that we will move forward to further understanding. And this is what the declaration I'd like us to do. I uh, I felt really really strongly to challenge us to respond by doing a responsive reading as a church. Now, many of you that have have a more liturgical background, you'll understand what I'm saying. Some of you will just be like, what in the world is that? This is what a responsive reading is, is that I'm going to begin praying. I'm going to pray certain lines, and we're going to have them on the screen. And what I would like us to do as a congregation today, if God has been speaking to your heart about the area of spiritual maturity, I want us to respond in this way. We're all going to stand up and we're all going to repeat the words. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. It's almost as if everyone in this room are declaring, as of today, I am not going to leave this room the same person that I came in. But from this point forward, I am not going to linearly uh, use my faith and say, well, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I'm going to look at it with spiritual depth and say, from this day on, I am going to move forward to further understanding. So my question is this morning, are you willing to do that? You see, we're going to stand and we're going to do a responsive reading, but really, you are the person that is responsible for your spiritual growth. You can't blame it on someone else. You can't say, Pastor Sheldon, you know what, you stink at teaching and I just, uh, I don't, I haven't grown spiritually at all. You know what, that excuse isn't going to work when you stand before Jesus it isn't going to work. He's going to say, why didn't you grow in your spiritual faith? Why didn't you train yourself? Why didn't you continue to grow in the things that I asked you to? So this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you'd stand to your feet this morning, this is what I'd like us to do this morning, and David's going to put these up on our screen. I'm going to read the first few lines, and I would ask that you would respond and say, and so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. I'm a little bit nervous because we've never done anything like this before. Could we practice once? Because I really don't want this to blow up in our face, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to read the responsive line. Uh, so one, two, three. And so... All right, that's your line every time. So could we just open our hearts for just a minute, just quietly? Just, just let our hearts begin to open right now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray before I get into the the written one here. God, we are right now as a congregation, we want to open our hearts, God, and we don't want to stay in the shallow end this morning. We don't want to stay where we've always been spiritually. So, God, I'm asking right now that as we make this declaration as a congregation, that, God, you would move us forward to further understanding. Lord, our heart's desire is to grow in you. Forgive us for becoming satisfied and complacent Christians. Forgive us for allowing our hearts and spiritual ears to become dull. We strive for spiritual understanding. And so, Jesus, forgive us for craving only milk. Help us to shift our hunger to the deep things of You, to the solid food of Your Word and Your Spirit. Give us the depth needed not just to learn, but to also teach. And so... Lord, forgive us for not training and discipling ourselves. Forgive us for not passionately studying Your Word, for not seeking You with all of our heart in prayer. God, give us the depth needed to understand the difference between right and wrong. And so, move us, God, from the elementary things to the deep things of You. Break us from the cycle of repentance, faith, then falter. We hunger for spiritual understanding. And so, You are calling us to train. You are calling us to move. You are calling us to growth. You are calling us to depth. We make a choice today as individuals, as a church, and as the body of Christ to spiritual maturity. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Amen. God, we just thank you and praise you for your word today. And God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that as we made these declarations with our lips today, God, we would also make them with our hearts. And that, God, we would walk from this place with a divine passion to know you in a deeper level to know who you are, to know your word, to know your spirit. And we just pray, God, that you would move us from where we are at, no matter where we're at in this whole room, every person, God, no matter where we're at, that you would move us today to deeper and further understanding in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you guys. One of the ways that you can move also to further understanding today, we have a leadership training, whether you're a leader in a business, uh, in the church, or anything like that, or you feel like God is calling you towards leadership, we do have our Leadership Summit uh, video right after church at 10, or at 1245. We're going to give you some time to fellowship, but at 1245, meet me in the chapel. Otherwise, bless you guys. Move forward forward into further understanding.